podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cammie. Hey there, Cammie. Hey, Bryant. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. So, <laughs> mystery show. Every week we pick a topic in myth, legend, what have you. Uh, just had a, one of my favorite topics we, we touched on, the centaurs we just did last week, cause I, and I'm glad we did. I've been saying like for like months that we got to do that. And it turned out really well. It was fun listen. So we've got an interesting one to follow up that. We're going to talk about the the entities of of dwarfs. Dwarves. Both are correct. Just so you know, I'll talk about that are later. They? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get ready. It's a wild <laughs> ride later. Um, yeah. So you, you might know these beings from like Lord of the Rings uh, and other high fantasy. That's really where they've been uh, famous. Um, Cammy, where else did everyone else learn from them if they're... 70 plus <laughs> the snow white and the seven dwarves right correct yeah yeah absolutely so like brothers Grimm style uh dwarfs uh as in sleepy dopey can you name the other ones Sneezy, i don't easy grumpy comment below <laughs> angry we're not gonna get it vengeful <laughs> revengeful uh but cammy's got a story for us as we do on the show and after cammy's story that describes in well gives us a great uh presentation of the dwarves then we're going to talk about some of the, the history behind them and what, how they kind of came to be today so cammy uh, take it away thanks bryant so i am using the edwards m taylor translation of the grimm's fairy tales this is from maynard merrill and company uh 1905 and i got it from the website the educational technology clearinghouse lit to go our story begins with the daughters of a widow who lived in a cottage deep in the forest. Her first daughter, Rose Red, enjoyed her time in the clearing with nature, while the second daughter, Snow White, preferred to stay at home and help her mother with chores. Both were delightful and always had a happy disposition. One day, when the two were gathering winter berries for a pie, they came upon a bear who was freezing in the cold air. They invited him back to their cottage and he warmed himself by the fire. When he was sufficiently cozy, he let himself out and returned to the woods. This became a nightly ritual for the family. The bear would come to the cottage and warm himself and enjoy the company of the women until he was warm enough to leave. Spring came and the bear still frequented them. He told them about his treasure of gold and how he had to protect it from the evil dwarf. One night as he was leaving, he cut himself on the door's latch and Snow White saw a golden glow coming from under his fur. He ran off and did not return. The two girls were sad to lose their friends, so they busied themselves with chores. One day, while gathering firewood for their mother, they saw a tiny man whose beard was stuck in a tree. He cried for help, and they ran over and cut his beard free for him. He chastised them for harming his beard and grabbed the bag of gold he had with him on his way into the woods. The next day, the two girls went to gather fish. They encountered the same dwarf again, and they encountered the same dwarf again, being dragged under by a fish. They grabbed him and cut his beard even shorter to free him from the water beast. But as soon as he was on the shore and safe from harm, he chastised them again and ran off into the woods with another bag of gold. The next day, the girls were on their way to town to buy supplies for sewing. On the way, they saw the same dwarf being carried into the air by an eagle who had him by his beard. They grabbed onto him and cut his beard again to free him from another peril. But he was still ungrateful and chastised them this time for ruining his clothes. 
He was so angry he cursed and spat all the way to the woods, a sack of jewels on his back. As the girls came back from town, they found the dwarf again. This time he was not in peril, but was counting his massive treasure in a clearing. When he spotted them, he started to yell at them to stay back. But just then a bear came out of the woods and snarled at the dwarf. He pleaded for his life, offering the two innocent girls to stand in his place to be eaten. The bear didn't hesitate. He swiped him dead with his massive paw. The girls began to back away when the bear, bear called for them to stop. They recognized him as the kind creature who sat by their fire for warmth all winter. He said to them he was really a prince who the evil dwarf had cursed to turn into a bear so that he could take his kingdom's treasure. But now that the curse was lifted, the prince stood before them, not a bear at all. Snow White was married to the prince. Rose Red fell in love with his brother, and they too wed. The couples lived happily ever after, and their mother, who preferred her cottage to the castle, planted two rose bushes that graced her with white and red roses every spring. Hooray! Totally how it was in the original version. Nobody died, nobody was eaten, right? <laughs> that, I don't know where the right. <laughs> brothers Grimm got it, but yeah. I think the girls probably did survive, right? Um, I, I imagine. I um <laughs> So, you know, I uh, I had to remember, we did talk about the Brothers Grimm before, so I'm not going to go super deep into them. Uh, it was the Rumpelstiltskin episode. Um, I can link that in the description for the, this video and the, the show uh, on podcast networks. And, it, it, yeah, we we spent a lot of time talking about them because the, the, I remember the, the content for Rumpelstiltskin was, was pretty bare. It was pretty straightforward. So it's, it's definitely bigger here because we're talking about – or I'm talking about – Dwarves in general, right? So, dwarves, and, and I'll, I, I will say one thing. I'll repeat from the Brothers Grimm stuff is is they took their stuff. They were they were smart academics, um, philologists, lexicographers. That's a fun word, and and they were really big into publishing German mythology, and that's what this is. So these guys, being the experts that they are, uh. They basically were the ones who kind of encompassed these ideas that were were old, 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 old. And like we've got um, dwarves, uh, I think some of the easiest like older stuff, which we just talked about a couple weeks ago with Valkyrie, is there's the poetic prose Edda and um, the Heimskringla, Snorri Sturluson, the Icelandic sagas um, of the, the 13th century um, specifically talk about the, the dwarves because they did things like um, like there's Brocker and Sindri, who we mentioned in the Thor's uh, Hammer episode, episode two. Um, and so these guys are really important, and it's it's really well established, at least by the 12th century, by scholars who are writing this down, that, you know, the characteristics of the dwarves and what they do and where we get some of those things. But there's a little bit more to it than that. It's, it's a little bit of an etymological uh, journey. Um, but but mainly it's it's a Germanic folklore uh, and Germanic mythology thing, and and just like how Norse mythology really encompasses uh, the Germanic area, it goes both ways here. But um, like Wikipedia, Britannica, they like to focus the the Germanic thing, and I think that's really where the Brothers Grimm story kind of comes from. So the modern English noun dwarf um, descends from the Old English dwerg, d w e o r g. Um, it's a a, a Ac- accusative from the word dwer, which is the, the, the same word, D-W-E-O-R-H, instead of the, the G. So uh, very, uh, tons of cognates in the Germanic languages, and in Old Norse, they even have uh, the 
a company word Dweger or Dverger, uh, which comes from Old High German Twerg, uh, which some people go back for like there's Proto-Germanic from this uh, word Dorgas. So there's this this uh, clear kind of connection between these words and these words all kind of mean um, it's tough to kind of put it exactly, but um, it can mean damage dream uh, and there's even some connections to sanskrit uh devaris meaning demonic um there's also another german word trug uh which kind of it's like drug drug uh which like means drugger. deception mm -hmm. or drager drager yeah yeah i don't know if there's a direct connection there it didn't bring that those the the beings from norse mythology like the zombies um but uh the uh, this this guy anatoly lieberman connects the german word with the modern English word dizzy. And um, so he, he was a linguist from uh, the uh, 70s. And I think dizzy is a good way to kind of put it because if you think of like when you're dizzy, dizziness can come in like a good way and a bad way. Um, you can be damaged. You can be, um, you know, dreaming. It's, you know, you, you can't always know what's going on. So I think dizzy is a really good way to kind of simplify the, the, the very long history this word has. I'm talking thousands of years, like hundreds of years back um, is where this word comes from. And so what it seems like, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw back to, we've talked about um, fairies. Um, it kind of goes to that. And, and as well, we kind of mentioned elves a little bit here and there, I believe. So what um, Liberman, Anatoly Liberman connects is dwarves, that word comes from the infliction of mental diseases and other similar things on humans, um, the same ways that elves and other beings like fairies would do. We talked about fairies before. Fairies, um, y you're you're a peasant in the dark ages. You you're you're busy. You're you know doing bread things. You tell your kid get out of here. Kid, go play. Kid doesn't come back. Uh, you send someone to go find him. You find a foot of the kid. You're like that's my kid's foot. The the fairies did it. You know that's what you you would do. So you, if if someone had some kind of a mental illness or got hit on the head really hard and they started acting weird, the dwarves did it. That's kind of the connection here that I, that people like Anatoly Liberman and that the stories kind of give us. Now Norse mythology really gives us a a, a cleaner picture. And I can't stress enough. You know the poetic and prose edda were made in the 13th century. These were these were the stories at their best. You know, these these were stories that had never been written down, passed through uh, ageless amounts of time that were finally written down by these scholars. And, and surely they they made them nice and pretty. But there is some sort of connection there. And certainly by the 12th and 13th century, we start having this idea that they're they're the dwarves are human like in shape, but they're they're smaller in some way. Um, what's really cool, um, the prose that is specifically talks about dwarves being described as being similar to maggots. I'm going to quote Wikipedia's, um, <laughs> thing here, maggots that festered on the flesh of Emir before being gifted with reason by the gods. So they were, they, they were just kind of like mindless. They were, and Emir is like the, the giant that was, um, killed by, I think Odin killed him and to make the world like the, the through his flesh the world was made um and things like that so but and the, the the dwarves were specifically there and they they were they had to be given their reason uh, by the gods and they made the gods pretty much everything um and specifically four dwarves um north uh northry suthri ausri and vestri 
north, south, east, and west are, are given a specific cosmological role to hold up the sky in the directions. There you go. Now, what's cool, post-Christianization post of the Germanic areas and those kind of like in the Norse mythology realm, um, they, they're, they're still important. They, they, the dwarves still sort of maintain their legend and the folkloriness of it. Just like how, you know, in Ireland, um, the, the, the fairies were still taking your kids and stuff like that, despite being Christianized for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, the North sources don't necessarily specifically mention them being short. <laughs> they do, uh, they, they are small and, un and small and usually ugly. That's the quote. <laughs> Um, and Liberman, the man, man I mentioned earlier, he suggests that dwarfs may have originally been thought as lesser supernatural beings. So the literal smallness is might have might have been like that, like they might have been like sub gods, and that kind of transformed them into literally being small. So you know you're trying to describe like, oh, are they gods? Well, yes, but no, they're like you know they're smaller than gods, and like oh, so they're small, and then that's you know like you're stuck with that for the rest of your life. Um, and Old Norse dwarf names include uh, Falonger, which means tall enough, um, Har, High, uh, and, and other things like that. So, and and there's even um, Anglo-Saxon references use they use dwarg to translate Latin words like Pygmaeus or pygmy. So, there uh, through the Middle Ages, there became this connection of of the smallness that wasn't a hundred percent there. The the story the the main sources that we have don't specifically say they were tiny peoples. Now, um, do you know who, who was the one who made it, you know, after the, the Brothers Grimm, of course, um, in 1812 publishing theirs, but can you tell me who made the dwarves she who they are? And to memory. Yeah. Walt yeah. Disney, right? Well, okay, sure. <laughs> I was going to, I was skipping ahead even further to J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, see, uh, yeah, I'm too pretty for that. I don't know. No, you're fine. <laughs> So I think it's it's really Tolkien uh, and the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings that really did a few things. They they really cemented the dwarf image that we have today, and they he also really separated and defined dwarves and elves. And and because we've talked like dwarves, elves, fairies, they, it was all very synonymous. It kind of depended on where you were. They were extremely similar names, um, but it, it's. He really specified these things. That's what he really did, and and it's it's really cool to see. I mean, I, it's funny because Kyle recently rewatched the whole series and stuff, and I, I mean, what what he made is of course like super. It's monumental. I mean, he created languages and a whole mythology that like rivals, you know, Norse mythology on its own. And surely he was. I mean, obviously was inspired by using that. And yeah, it's funny. He actually created the ves. Um, plural version of dwarves it was fs before and and he was like a linguist either or philologist um and he he just kind of like made it was funny there was some funny quotes about it but he he essentially kind of made that uh up so looking into the brothers grim though to to kind of go back a uh, hundred years before tolkien um they it, it's not this their story uh, spread like wildfire. And of course their story wasn't their story. It was sort of their version of the story. You know, that's kind of how, what the brothers Grimm did. They, they did kind of like what the prose edit did. They, they just kind of specified the stuff and made it really concise in this, this great book. But the story is traced all over the world. Um, 
And it, it can have a lot of different variations, uh, just like I think we talked about it with Rumpelstiltskin in a couple of stories that are similar to this, uh, these kind of fairy tales where there's really specific details. So, you know, that they kind of have the same root. But um, the, these stories almost always have like the magic mirror. Uh, the stepmother asks. It's usually it's usually a stepmother it could be an evil queen. Um, but the dwarves aren't necessarily present, but some kind of person fills in their role. Um, in a Greek version, it's specifically giants. In a Scandinavian version, it's specifically robbers, just <laughs> thieves. So um, it's really cool to see kind of how it, it established in that way. The, the variants, some uh, folklorists have established the tale uh, is, is really cemented throughout Europe distributed from the Balkan Peninsula into Iceland and from Russia to Catalonia, with the highest number of variants being found in Germany and Italy, which makes sense because there's so many different cultures condensed in Germany and Italy. That Are you talking you about just like fairy tales in general? This fairy tale, this version. The Snow White? Yeah, the the, oh, okay. the Snow White things that tell you that it's it's that story, but it just it gets these minor changes, and it's just funny. Apparently, in Germany, Italy, that's where they've changed it the most. So that's like um, Beauty and the Beast and Cupid and Psyche. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's that that is another great way of looking at it for sure. So I I love it. Um, the Brothers Grimm. It was pu first published in 1812, and the first edition of their collection, The Grimm's Fairy Tales. It's numbered as Tale 53. Um, some scholars, uh, modern scholars uh, from the 90s, believe that it could be, uh, it directly be influenced by a, a German countess born to Philip IV in 1533, um, who apparently at age 16 um, was forced by her stepmother to move to Brussels and fell in love with a prince who would become Philip II of Spain later. Uh, the father and stepmother disapproved of it, though, uh, deeming it politically inconvenient, Mar uh, Margaretha, the the woman, um, mysteriously died at 21, apparently being poisoned. So it's interesting to see, like, if the Brothers Grimm were really, like, inspired directly by that, where did they get the dwarves part? You know, so I think that this story it goes um, quite a ways back beyond that. But it's, it's, it's interesting to see people find these connections, these historical events, these records from yeah, the 16th really neat. century. Yeah, that is really I've heard of that, yeah. Right. There's even there's another one that I I, I mean it, it goes on and on. There's a couple others that are, are really specific. I mean it it seems like it's pulling straws, but you read and you're like, that's the story. Like <laughs> you know that's that that's the story. Um, or, or were they inspired by the story? Right. Yeah. 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 It could be like ah, it worked out for those dwarves, says 16th century queen. Um, so yeah, I dwarves. Uh, old word. What it seems like it 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 the history is that the the word comes from these Proto-Germanic roots that influenced. Um, you, you have to kind of like look at like the dissemination of of language it basically, and it, it it influenced basically everyone within a radius of Germany stemming from there, and it seems to mean. Uh, affliction, dizzy, damage, dizzy being kind of the best modern way of, of summing it up without going too specific. You know, it's what's kinda, so interesting mm. about that, it not being an actual word meaning small necessarily, but to dwarf something means to make it seem smaller. Yeah. So we've definitely taken that word and made it uh, something it else. Is, yep. It, it is. Grimm Brothers helped paint that you know image. Walt Disney literally painted the image and animated it for us. And at the same time, Tolkien uh, also really kind of 
kind of put that. And Tolkien, I'll, I'll say he really helped um, the idea of dwarves being underground people, minor, you know, miners, hand, like handy. And that is totally like D&D taken. And that like if there's a, a tree of dwarf roots, Tolkien goes straight to like where D&D and then influences so many other games like or in, and media today, like Dragon Age and stuff like that. I that am we not love. too pretty for Dragon Age. I love that game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so no. And and that's that's kind of where it is. So it's it's wild. Yeah. Dwarves. It was a long journey. They've been the, the concept has been with us for such a long time, but it's morphed over time just the same way fairies did. You know, um, Tinkerbell a thousand years ago would murder you. Um, if you described her. So that's, that's kind of the idea here. Uh, so there's, there's a cool connection to those other sort of, um, folklore beings, but it has its own unique sort of spin. So I think that about covers it on my end. Cami, thanks so much for your story. That was Thank wonderful. Thank you, Brian, as for all your research. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was a fun one. Uh, we've had some really nice ones. So everyone, let us know what you think. Let us know if you have anything you'd like us to cover. Uh, our link tree is in the description. If you click that, it'll show you all of our links all the podcast services, YouTube, um, store for merchandise. And you can also email us mystery with a, uh, at gmail.com. Uh, remember myth story, all one word um, story with an I E at the end instead of a Y. So everyone, uh, thanks again. We will see you next time.